Today on Maker's Cast, I talk independent comics with Wake Up Comics owner Josh Lambert. Hello, welcome everyone to another episode of Maker's Cast, my excuse to talk to interesting people in the name of marketing. Uh, I'm Matt, and I am joined today by Josh Lambert. Hi. Uh, how are you? Uh, doing okay, how about you? Not bad. Have you been on a podcast before? I have not, no. This is my first one. There you go. Well, I've only been doing this one for like five episodes, so, you know, not that much of a deficit. Nice. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're learning together. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, before we get too far into it, um, just obviously I would like to talk about the background of Wake Up Comics, but uh, just for uh, the listener's context, as much as I have context, how do you describe what Wake Up Comics is? Um, that's a good question. I've had to do this a lot because a lot of people don't really know, or they're not, more better to say they're not familiar with the things I'm selling, So, but sometimes I kind of describe it as just a store or like a micro business uh, I've even called it a glorified hobby before where it's mostly I'm just kind of selling independent uh, small press uh, publications that kind of intersect that are comics or like zines uh, art uh, publications etc um, just things that kind of fall outside the quote-unquote mainstream of the comics industry Right, and that, that physically takes form of you know a corner of a uh, record store in East Nashville. Yes, uh, at the groove, the groove in East Nashville, we have the, that's where the setup is. Just a rack, um, slightly bigger than when we started, but yeah, it's just a corner in the back where that's basically our entire inventory is right there. There you go. Well, yeah, I, I have a lot of questions about sort of how that came about and how it functions, but uh, just for background's sake. Uh, how long have you been in Nashville? Uh, the store itself? Uh, you, actually. Oh, me. So I moved here. Basically, I've been here about five years at this point. Um, there was a brief period where I didn't live here, but I'd say I moved here in June of 2014. Mm -hmm. So with that gap, I'd say I'm probably at around five years, yeah. Gotcha. Did you uh, come for work or school? or? No, I... Um, well, I guess, yeah, I did come for work. Um, I moved from Paducah, Kentucky, which is where I'm from. Um, so I moved down here kind of and uh, moved in with a friend in 2014, kind of looking for just more jobs, opportunities, etc. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, a uh, different background. How, when did you start reading comics? Well, I had a few comics when I was a kid, but I didn't actually really read uh, that many. I mostly just had comics as a kid because they were related to cartoons I would see on TV, like Spider-Man or X-Men, Batman, etc. Um, but I was never really reading or even, as we would have called it, collecting comics, really, until I was a teenager. So uh, I think I was around like... 13, 14 years old, somewhere in that vein when I was like regularly started reading them. So that was about um, about 20 years ago. Gotcha. And it sounds like the comics you were reading at that time were you know, mainly big two stuff. So at what point did you become interested in the sort of indie uh, or small press side? It was, 
Uh, gradually, I would say. Um, one of the things about comics that's kind of weird is it's very dependent on and kind of stunted in a way because comics are so tied to superheroes or what we think of when we think of comics. So once I sort of started exploring the media more and, you know, 20 years ago, it was like you would kind of get online. I would kind of look around just to figure out release schedules and different comics and previews and things like that. And so, you know, eventually I started finding other comics. The store that I was going to that was in my hometown, they mostly carried superhero comics, but they had a few other things. So that kind of uh, opened my eyes because I didn't really know that other types of comics existed. Um, so that sort of intrigued me just because I didn't even know, you know, it's not like movies or books or anything where you just know, oh yeah, there's all kinds of different movies and books, even if you're only into like certain things. With comics, it was, I literally didn't know that there were other types of comics that existed really besides like superhero comics. That kind of, it's definitely picked up over time, but so I would say, you know, pretty much from the start, but gradually, even, you know, five, six years in, I was still figuring out, oh, there's way more to this medium than I ever would have known or thought of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think you're at all alone in that assumption, just based on the prevalence. And, you know, it's weird to think about because up until the 60s, that wasn't the case. Right. You know, if you yeah. if you look a little further back, it was the the sort of monster books where the origins of like Human Torch and Namor and stuff came from. Yeah, there were a lot of different genres, um, a lot of pulpy stuff, romance comics, etc. And yeah, that kind of because the machinations of the kind of a little bit too much to go into, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting history to look at to see what led to that and how the market became so you know. Uh, kind of like bottlenecked by these two, you know, two publishers and one genre, really. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you mentioned previews. I've not met a lot of other people who did this. Did you, like, go home from the comic shop every month, like, previews in hand to figure out what you wanted next month? Oh, yeah, especially at first. Nice. Um, and I did it for a while um, where I would, you know, I had the previews, that gigantic phone book, you know, catalog that they have where you place your order form and stuff like that and but yeah i would uh, i would submit one of those uh for quite a few years yeah whenever because in a lot of ways that was the only way i was going to be able to get these other types of comics because they weren't usually ordered by the store that i was going to well, yeah exactly that's that's the huge eye-opener uh for the listeners who may be confused um comic shops you know that are uh licensed retailers or not necessarily licensed, but retailers of comic books. Uh, every month they get from Diamond, who is the major comic book distributor, this big old, it is a phone book looking thing, and paper feels like it too, called The Previews. You know, it has the month and the year on it. And it's just hundreds of pages of like, single issues, graphic novels, uh, you know, merchandise, anything related tangentially to the kind of comic book audience for the next month. And yeah, it's, it's true. Like any other form of retail, comic stores will have to choose what they think is going to sell best. So that's a lot of Marvel DC Dark Horse, you know, and getting on into image and so on. It gets smaller and smaller, but so many different people are distributed by them, even if they don't wind up in the store that, you know, before 
you could read tons of web comics on various apps or you know social medias that was how you found out about small press to a, a large degree if you were isolated from indie comic scenes yeah even it's kind of a good point you make even if those people weren't really even if that wasn't their main audience it was still especially because eventually kind of as you said not only is diamond the major comic distributor they're the only distributor they have a monopoly <laughs> um so even if it, you weren't selling that many copies it was still getting into the diamond catalog for small press was almost unless you were just really really only printing very few copies it was that was the way to go but especially with the internet not being as kind of omnipresent as it is now mm -hmm. yeah you didn't have as much of a direct line if any to comic stores to say hey buy our stuff and we'll get a bigger cut than if we go through diamond right yeah and uh, i guess i should address this before we go any further and i think it might be a bit of a, a talking point um, this is a little different of an episode for Maker's Cast insofar that, uh, you know, sort of the conceit of Maker's Cast is that you know, I, I want to talk to people of different disciplines who make different kinds of things. And uh, when I reached out to you, uh, you tried to, uh, you know, make it clear from the get go that you are not uh, a maker of comics. You just, you know, run this micro business. Right. Yes. And, uh, you know. That might seem a little odd, but I definitely have questions about that realm and kind of like uh, the episode that I was editing today that will be out for a few weeks by the time this one goes up uh, with a, a comic artist who used to work in the book business where we discussed the, the idea that championing art, you know, that sounds like a lofty term, but, you know, sort of uh, doing your part to say I like this and want to share it is its own form of creativity. So I, I would argue that, you know, this is a very interesting topic and uh, why I wanted to talk to you. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. And it is it is applicable to the smaller press realm of comics to a pretty big degree. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, in the lead up to, you know, uh, in our correspondence leading up to recording the episode, you mentioned that... Uh, the origins of Wake Up have their inspiration in a different sort of micro-business that basically did this a few years ago. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and I'm really the, in many ways, it's the inspiration, but also it's kind of the result of what ended up uh, happening to it is why, you know, I started Wake Up, and that was uh, Brain Freeze Comics, which was, are, are were you familiar with Brain Freeze Comics? I wasn't, no. Okay. Um, yeah, they were doing basically what I was doing. It was run by Stuart Copeland, who uh, he was in the band Bully, a uh, local band that has a pretty big profile. Um, he started the store. I actually don't know when he started it. I want to say it was in 2015, but it might have actually been uh, earlier than that in 2014. I don't think I was aware of it until 2015, and I actually discovered it by accident. Or else, uh, I may not have ever known it existed either, which would is kind of crazy to think about. It. But he started at the Groove like I did and has the same basic business model that I do because I took it from him where you know what you're doing is not profitable enough and not only that, just the volume is not high enough to really support, I mean, especially here, there's no way to support any kind of standalone storefront, etc. 
so he had worked out you know a deal with them where he would kind of create this area in the store where he would sell comics and I had a friend who uh, was into vinyl and he used to live here and so one time when he was down here he took me over to the groove I'd never been in there because I'm not really into vinyl very much but when I walked in there I noticed all these comics that several of them I had heard about read about online and didn't own because no store here was going to stock them and uh, some of them I would have liked to have bought but because they were imported or etc I just never had maybe they weren't being sold online etc and I was kind of just blown away it kind of took me aback so I was really felt really lucky that we had something like that and I honestly as bad as this sounds I figured I wonder how long this place is you know obviously not it wasn't its own place but I wondered how long is this gonna last because I just didn't see it being a viable thing but then I kind of realized okay well he's not doing he's not running this like a traditional business so he can kind of get around that problem so he uh, ran it for years he was you know just he was kind of like me he was just a guy who's really into comics he was not a, as far as I know I think he is an artist um, but he as far as I know he didn't do any comic work now I might be wrong but um, he ran the store for several years eventually it expanded it got bigger inside the groove and then he moved it to the gift uh, gift horse which is a few blocks over in the fatherland area and at the beginning of 2018 he at this point he had moved away he went to Rhode Island to go to school there and so when he did he had a guy who was kind of taking care of it for him but he eventually just decided hey I'm up here in Rhode Island and I think his friend who was working on it for him moved away too and so he shut it down and so Whenever Brain Free shut down, I was really, you know, disappointed because I really liked it being here. So I had talked to him about trying to buy it, but he was not interested really in selling it because he was, you know, it wasn't really he had he didn't have any debt, he had to get out from under, etc. because it was just a small thing and I think it was just easier for him to just kind of get rid of his inventory, etc. and then just kind of move on. So that happened and then about three months later after thinking about it for a while I kind of reached out back to the people at the groove which is under different owners than it was now but that's kind of the long-winded way of saying how we got to where it how we got to where we are now but yeah brain freeze is very important and even just showing me that this was even a thing that you could do and how you could do it because it's something I never would have thought of myself. There you go yeah that answered a lot of my questions. And yeah, it's definitely the kind of thing I haven't seen before either, uh, despite, you know, ha uh, having a pretty similar comics experience to you, it sounds like in my early life and, you know, being exposed to independent comics, more, mostly in the convention circuit, you know, in artist alley kind of scenarios. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. So was there a kind of a learning curve, you know, after you get out of that three month period into deciding, yeah, I'm going to do this. Was there a learning curve from sort of seeing and having this uh, uh, osmosis of information from being a brain freeze customer to running it yourself in the form of wake up? Well, I, yeah, I mean, there was definitely a learning curve just in, I actually, I had a little bit of experience because the store that I kind of talked about before from Paducah that I, where I went, uh, I worked there for off and on for quite a few years, but most, I didn't really do any ordering or anything like that. So 
but I knew kind of how the ordering processing worked. I knew the dime uh, stuff about diamond, etc. So I kind of decided to start with that and just see, okay, well, you know, how would this work? And then I had to really reach out to the people at the groove because I actually reached out to several different businesses with kind of the idea and just, they were really the only ones who responded. So, uh, once I kind of got that okay, then it was like, okay, well now I can actually see about trying to do this. And I mean, I basically set some money aside to start the store with the full belief in my mind that if it just went nowhere and I just lost all of it, I had to be okay with that because I didn't, I mean, what I was doing, I knew, I mean, I, I didn't know if I'd ever sell a book to be honest. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there was definitely some trepidation there, but I was totally fine with, you know, that being the case, if so. And so then I kind of had to figure out, okay, well, how, how do I get started? You know, like, what do I do? Because I don't, I'm just starting from the ground up. And so thankfully a lot of the publishers that I'm dealing with, a lot of the artists that I'm dealing with, if they're self-publishing or if they sell like their own mini comics, etc., you know, they don't, you don't have to have a, a tax ID, for example, you know, you don't have to have full business credentials to order comics from them and sell them at a, you know, at whole, you don't have to, to order them at wholesale in other words. So mm-hmm. that was probably the good thing because I don't have a diamond account now. I still don't. Uh, they have a minimum order that I don't really want to mess with every month and kind of as time has gone on and they've kind of changed a lot of the comics that I mean, I'd say a pretty good amount of the comics I buy, I don't think you can get through Diamond. I know a lot of them you can't. So eventually I did get set up more where I, you know, I have a tax ID and everything so I can get stuff from wholesalers and distributors, but I still get a lot of stuff from individual artists and everything. But I kind of had to just send out a bunch of emails and hope that people replied to me and were willing to sell me stuff, you know, um, because I had no profile or anything. I was just, Hey, I'm just some guy who's emailing you and wants to start a store. Hopefully you don't think I'm just trying to buy a bunch of comics from you cheap or something or try to, (laughs) you know, do, do something like that. So, and then the business part of it kind of just takes care of itself since I'm just doing it because I really like it. I don't really have to worry about making a profit because if I was, I wouldn't be doing it in the first place. Um, so that's kind of how so it definitely was at the start i wasn't sure but it's comics is a pretty small community and it's um you know people are pretty amiable and easy to work with so it didn't it wasn't too difficult i'll say that well and uh it's interesting because the way you described uh first happening upon brain freeze it's very it's uh, not too dissimilar from how i happened upon wake up which is like uh, i live on the other side of the river in nashville and uh, I was going to be in East Nashville for dinner and thought, well, we've got a couple hours to kick around where I want to go. So I just started looking around the map and I saw, you know, particularly looking for bookstores as I do. And I saw Wake Up listed and went, oh, there's an, another comic shop and, you know, saw that it was inside of a record store. So went inside and uh, saw the rack and, you know, much like you said with Brain Freeze, I saw some stuff that I'd kind of heard of but never seen in person and a lot that I've never heard of and very glad it exists. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's partly, I think a lot of people, there's still people who find it to this day. Um, Most of the people, you know, a lot of people who went in Brain Freeze, et cetera, you know, I've, 
talk to the people at Gift Horse, and so they're they're nice enough to just kind of send them over, you mm-hmm. know, a few a few blocks. But there's lots of people who uh, have discovered it, went in brain freeze. You know, I I meet people like that to this day who went in brain freeze, and then they just never knew that I'm there. And part of that is because my budget is, you know, <laughs> my budget for advertising is well, I basically don't have one. Uh, sure. You know, I've, I've, I do advertise sometimes in kind of small press local publications like um, some zines and like there's an alt monthly magazine called Salt Weekly that I advertise in. Um, but as for, And I did advertise once in the Nashville scene, but it was just, I mean, it's so expensive that it's kind of, it's just not something that's feasible for what I'm doing in the long term. So word of mouth and that has probably been my biggest driver and also the groove kind of you know spotlighting me on their social media mm-hmm. so uh just in terms of the stock itself what is your criteria like uh if any for what you put in the rack well i guess the only hard criteria and this isn't necessarily out of any kind of <laughs> animus but would just be I'm just not going to sell Marvel and DC stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's already there's quite a few comic shops, pretty solid ones around here. You know, we've got Great Escape, two of them. There's Rick's, uh, Comic City Two. There's a store down in Franklin, Outer Limits. You can get that stuff if you want it. There's plenty of places, and also that stuff is in you know bookstores and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't really worry about selling those comics anything else though i'm open to but i do tend to focus more on you know things that are from publishers who i know just from you know reading and liking their books but i also you know i order try to order a wide variety of stuff so if i find something that like I haven't heard of before and I see it which kind of happens I actually was lucky enough to go to two conventions this year which are focused on small press and I found several things from Japan um, that I had never seen before from publishers who were just there for that show and I was able to kind of import some of those books um, and I've but a lot of it is just I just pay attention to a lot of comics news, follow comics people on Twitter, etc. So I see new books, or you know I follow publishers, artists, see what people are recommending, see what they're talking about, and I just kind of go from there and just based on the room I have, you know, on the shelf. That's kind of about all the criteria that I really have is just anything that I think, you know, I'll order anything that kind of people put out that kind of publish in that realm, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, what were the small press shows you got to go to? So the first one was the Toronto Comics Arts Festival, which is, I think, I mean, it's like the biggest festival of its kind in North America. And it brings in a lot of, it's gotten big enough to where, even though it's, it's a free show, so it's kind of one of these different types of shows that have popped up in the last decade or so where it's not like Comic Con. It doesn't have that kind of, it's less of a, I mean, it's not saying it doesn't have a consumerist angle, but it's not about nerd culture and uh, kind of like things like that, like, you know, like the all, the kind of the interaction with kind of just everything that's sort of, beca- well, nerd culture and fan culture is just now the culture. Like, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Um, 
So this is more about, you know, creators displaying their work, selling their stuff, smaller press publishers, like Marvel is not going to be at the show, but as an, just as a random example. But so that show was a show I've wanted to go to for years, but really just never figured I would ever get the chance to go to because it's in, it's in Toronto, you know, I mean, um, but through a trip I took, I got to basically make it there on like a layover and so I was able to be there for like one day while I was actually going somewhere else I was able to work it out just through the kind of Byzantine nature of how flights work and <laughs> but so that was the first one so I got to see a lot of cool stuff there got to see some uh, publishers and stuff got to meet some people who you know I never thought I would meet etc you know I'm I'm kind of there like as a individual like as someone who loves to read comics, but also kind of as a business person, I guess, which was weird because that was like the first time I've ever done that. Um, so like talking to like reps and stuff, like, you know, just because I had this goofy little thing here. Um, but then the other show was the Cartoon Crossroads Columbus or CXC, which is in Columbus, Ohio. That was the, I'd been there in 2016, so I decided to go back this year because there were several pretty interesting creators. And so it's not as, it's, kind of a pretty good drive but it's not too bad so I went for one day and uh, kind of the same thing got to meet some people got to see some books in person which is kind of nice um, books I probably wouldn't have ordered because I mean I don't have a lot of room so I kind of have to make some choices sometimes whenever I'm ordering you know like so I'm just looking at like images online or pages but it's really nice to be able to see kind of the books in person and be like oh well this book looks a lot cooler like there was one book in particular that kind of blew me away where I just looked at it online, like in my distributor cart. And I was like, oh, I think I'm just going to, you know, pass on this just because I'd love to order it, but I just don't have the room. But when I saw it, I was like, oh, this book looks incredible. Like, I definitely want to order a copy of it. Hmm. So those were the that was the two I made it to this year. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think comics and uh, there's a reason for this compared to prose books they they have more ability to sort of grab you in their physical form because they can take so many shapes and that's definitely yeah. true when you look at the independent and small press realm because they don't have the giant you know uh, uh warehouses and factories that are producing millions of comics so they can make weird shapes like how big the hilda books are and things like that yeah there's definitely that definitely is a good point like the there's definitely just like a visual aspect to it just in terms of uh, you know like when I'm tabling a lot of people are one of the things I've noticed too is a lot of people are really drawn to like the small little booklets and zines um, because you know there'll be people that'll make something that's like you know they'll make like a comic and it might be two inches tall you know mm -hmm. like that's how big it is or it might be this insane fold out, you know, like piece of paper that it's like a puzzle reading it or something. You know, there's all kinds of people or like some kind of like pop up comic that like you can move around like when you read it, etc. Like there's all kinds of stuff that people can do creatively that, yeah, like from a mass production standpoint, like it kind of cuts you off. So there's definitely a lot of, you know, the individual creator. And yeah, that you're right. That can draw people in. Yeah, it blurs the line between books and papercraft at a certain point. Right, yeah. So uh, so that sort of covers the, you know, the books outside of 
your realm that you can get through distributors and things. But there is a selection of uh, the Wake Up Shelf that's local artists, right? Yeah, I try to... I, I need to get better about designating it, which is something I've kind of thinking about doing a lot lately. But yeah, I, I stock stuff from... You know, anyone who's local, I try to find them. Uh, it can be kind of tough. There's not a big comics community here, but, uh, you know, anybody that wants to sell their comic in there is, yeah, I'm more than happy to sell it on commission and give them, you know, the vast majority of the money. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do have local stuff on the shelf. So, but covering both the local stuff and, you know, the stuff you find distributed elsewhere, what, if you could encapsulate it, because obviously comics... In general, as we've described, it is a medium, not a genre, as uh, last month's guest mentioned, and I think she was quoting someone else. So obviously there's a huge breadth, but is there sort of, is there something that sort of encapsulates what these comics that you're looking for and trying to highlight do that particularly the big two and maybe even, you know, some of the smaller, really big ones like Dark Horse and Image don't do? Hmm... That's an interesting question because I think that the answer would vary, you know, depending on who you talk to. Um, Because I think Marvel and DC specifically, I'm just not, I'm not really interested in what they're doing and I've kind of become that way more so over time. Um, They'll occasionally, you know, publish a comic that I might be interested in or want to read, but... I think, so I don't, because I don't necessarily want to describe, say that like these comics are just like intrinsically better or, you know, on like some different quality level. But I think that especially over time, Marvel and DC have become, well, I mean, now like they're about properties, you know, they're about IP, they're about development of other media into merchandising and global branding and stuff like that. Um, and that's fine. That's kind of what they're doing. But, and like I said, I don't, I don't think that the comics that I'm selling are just like, Oh, well this comic is good just because it's not that. But I think that these comics don't, they just are people who are tend to be taking a lot more chances. They're people that are telling different kinds of stories they're people that are experimenting with wildly different art styles and kind of like we talked about even just formatting of the physical books themselves or even something like web comics you know that might get collected later where it's like a scroll or how where you click on the screen etc like and how that changes how you read um so I think that there's a lot more room for all these other stories and comics is kind of like an unlimited canvas for whatever story you want to tell. But Marvel and DC are kind of locked into telling a certain type of story and to a degree they always have been, but I think it's never been more, it's never been whittled down as much as, as it is now. So I think that, you know, because comics as they are, like we kind of talked about, it's a it's a medium, not a genre, but to a lot of people, it is a genre. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of getting that stuff out there is helpful, and obviously that's changed with, like, you know, the graphic novel boom and with manga and stuff like that. It's It's never been more prevalent. You know, you've never been able to see as many comics in 
just a general bookstore, for example, than you can see now. But even outside of that, there's so much more stuff that's being done. So I just like being able to highlight that because a huge amount of people are just never going to even see this thing, see these things or know that they exist. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, it's not really a question of quality because, you know, if you like the, the stuff that Marvel and DC has done for the last 10, 20, 30 years, there's nothing wrong with that. And there are, you know, there are still movements within those companies to do new and interesting things on occasion, but there's still a large number of readers, both of those comics and not, who want something different. And I think different is, is sort of the term here for how you can describe uh, the Wake Up Comics selection and indie comics as a whole for uh, you know, in terms of the way that the scene, the scene has moved. Yeah, it's just like if you, you know, if you're interested in if you're only interested in superheroes and I mean I know like people like this who are huge comic fans but they don't really have any interest in reading anything you know to a degree outside of superheroes but if you're interested in just reading or all any kind of other things you know comics doesn't really it only offers you know comics as a genre as people see it it only offers you know pretty much one thing not to say you there haven't been a lot of different versions of that thing but at the same time you know how many superman comics have been published you know mm -hmm. i mean and how many and i guess my question would be how many can you read <laughs> yeah after you know where, where does the where do the diminishing returns kick in there so yeah, I definitely personally fall into a middle ground of like uh, not trying to absorb a ton of big two stuff, partly because there's still a lot of the sort of overarching and you know, uh, crossover books that make it a little exhaustive to try and get it all in. But also oh, because, yeah, yeah you, you don't necessarily want all of those stories, but I'll see like uh, through social media or just here through the grapevine that you know, this one superhero book is coming and it's doing interesting stuff. Like, uh, there's a question miniseries happening for the first time in God knows how many years. And I'm going to read that. And yeah, because mm -hmm. occasionally something interesting will fall out. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, even... I've never been more disconnected than I am now from what Marvel and DC are doing. I mean, I still get some of it just because kind of how comics is. You know, stuff is just going to it's kind of the osmosis thing you're just going to pick it up you know so even if you're only focused on certain things you're still going to get it and like i know for example and i mean i don't have anything against superhero comics i don't currently really read any of the ones coming out but sometimes i still read old ones i still like a lot of like a lot of the artists um mm -hmm. who drew superhero comics and stuff like that who kind of that's all they ever did um but you know, I've heard like uh, kind of like what you're saying. You know, the people that just like uh, question. You know, hey, Steve Ditko character, like all that stuff that he worked on. Like that is kind of cool because that's a character with like an interesting history from what I've read about it. And so I've you know I heard a lot of people talking about the I think it's called the Immortal Hulk. I think is the correct uh, what the title is. But I know people have been talking about that book. Um, a lot of people saying like you know it's kind of always like this is the one like you know if you, this is the really good superhero book that's coming out right now you know like mm -hmm. i'm not saying people there aren't trying to do interesting work because i you know i mean i don't think anybody shows up trying to do a bad job mm -hmm. but when like a creative scene but it's kind of like what you're saying it 
if once you kind of get outside that realm i think it, it's i think it's harder to kind of once you if you see other things it can be harder to just jump back in and like you said it, it's just a, it can become exhausting yeah and you know obviously neither of us have ever worked for a giant publisher so you know we're speaking with the consumer view which most people have not not that many of us are going to be on the inside so you know it's hard to say whether this is because of the mcu era or what have you there there's always in every era of comics that the big two have been a thing and you know there are always sort of books on the fringe of what they're doing because you know in the last 10 years we've had this explosion of uh, new sort of voices and characters even within the big two even though most of the time they're taking up new mantles like you know in marvel um i've really enjoyed you know your miss marvels and miles morales that is different and a new voice in there but the other characters persist as well so yeah obviously nothing wrong with enjoying uh marvel and dc books and the people who are working there are trying to do really good creative work and in a lot of times they are succeeding it's good stuff but yeah just trying to drive home if that's not what you're into there's more because there's more to comics and there always has been right and it's just and that's kind of what i'm trying to do is try to trying to facilitate that just to get it out there to even just to get people to look at you know just to even get someone to see if i'm at an event or something to come up and look at a book and be like oh well i didn't know anything like this even existed yeah i like to think that uh, as you know people particularly tourists who might be wandering around nashville if someone gets dragged to a uh, record shop that may not be into records they didn't see that over there and go oh that's where i'm going to spend my next 20 minutes right yeah that and that's kind of hopefully you know you get some people who you know i've seen a lot of people who because there are chairs over there so they can like sit down and just plop down and a lot of them will pick up something and read through it and things like that which i'm you know i'm totally fine with i I don't i'm not uh there to i'm not gonna police somebody if somebody wants to look through something that's fine by me and just getting exposure to it you know because like i said it i'm not doing it to make money (laughs) Uh, (laughs) if so if somebody wants to just sit down and check something out that's that's great and thinking about how wide and varied comics is because you know really what you should do is just get down to your local shop and if you're uh, if you don't know what you're into the people there want to talk to you about it they want to talk to you about the weird thing they like yeah that that's true um that's kind of one of the things with me since i'm it is kind of a side thing for me since i work full time you know during the week i'm not down there very much and that's something i do kind of uh regret uh, or i mean well not regret it just it's kind of I would rather be there and talk to people like it would be nice just because you know you're kind of already on the same wavelength to a degree um, with people like that because it's more of a like a curated selection so I because I I like talking to Stuart who was you know the brain freeze owner whenever he was there Um, it was always cool to be able to talk to somebody about that and that's the other thing is because with the stuff I'm selling it's since it is different it's kind of having almost like a, i don't know if i would say like an explainer but just like almost someone who can like kind of guide you can be helpful comics Svengali. right yeah 
So, cool. Uh, is there anything that you've gotten in the rack recently that you're really stoked to just have on the shelf? Yeah, there's uh, there's lots of things, actually. Um, but, I mean, just a few. There was a book that came out, uh, I guess it came out about a month ago. The It's a collection of comics that were released by Kevin Huizenga. And uh, the collection is called The River at Night. Uh, when the comic was published in periodical form, it was called Ganges, uh, like the river. Uh, I didn't know if it was ever going to get collected. Um, I think the last issue came out a couple years ago, and now they're finally um, releasing the collection. But it's one of those books where it's like, you know, kind of we're at that point now, and people are kind of talking about stuff like this. But it's a potential, like, book of the decade uh, for mm. me. Uh, it's a great comic. It's if you like kind of uh, stuff that's kind of semi autobiographical, but also has a lot of kind of wanderings into like things like metaphysics and all kinds of different things. About he starts talking about geology and things. I feel like I'm doing a terrible job of describing it because it's hard to see what it is which is kind of one of the things that i like about it is because he's one of those guys where you read his work and you're like oh this is you know it kind of takes you you kind of have to get acclimated to it and then it's like oh you know this is what this guy's doing this is his whole story you know he's doing the story he wants to tell there's no there's no editors like things like that like he's doing what he wants to do and like visually he's doing a lot of cool things with like panel layouts and like full page spreads and things like that because really it's one of those comics where you could say well this comic is about a guy who can't go to sleep and that's what the whole comic is about but there's so much more to it than that when he starts talking about the passage of time and things like that so that's a book i would really recommend um it's a very beautiful book too so that's one i mean if you kind of like it's almost like there are points where it gets into magical realism i'd say but i don't think it really fully goes there and like it's kind of its own thing but that's one. I'm trying to see some, think about some other ones that I've got in. Like yeah, you just posted on Instagram about uh, Prince of Cats getting a film adaptation. Yes, uh, that is. Uh, which I think that book came out. It's been out for a little while, but I just got a copy of it in the store. Um, and yeah, that's another book that is a potential like best of the decade um, for me. It. It has just got a new edition through Image where it's like uh, the original version was like super small. Uh, it was smaller than standard comic dimensions. And it was in uh, limbo forever because he, Ron Wimberly, the creator, he published it through Vertigo and he didn't have the rights to it. Mm -hmm. So eventually the rights uh, lapsed because they never reprinted it. And it was funny because it was one of those books people talked about forever, but it was also like they didn't print very many. And to buy a copy, it was like, you know, you had to buy a used copy. It was like 60, 70 bucks, like because the price just shot up. And it was this, it was funny because when I finally saw it, I didn't even realize it was just this small comic. And now Image has put out this version that's like oversized. It looks amazing. Like the art looks so much better at the bigger dimensions. Um, and it's like, it's like kind of, it's like Romeo and Juliet if it was in like the 80s from like the perspective of Tybalt. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't in need New York to know City, anything. Right? Of, yeah, New York City. New York City in the 80s. But you don't need to know anything about Romeo and Juliet to enjoy the comic. Like if you're not like, if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't care about a Romeo and Juliet adaptation. I mean, how many, how many do we need or how many have there been? But this one is like a guy who kind of, it's also semi-autobiographical, which is really interesting. 
like you can see him and he kind of talks a little bit about like how he put himself into the role of that character but i mean what he's doing and like the colors in that book are amazing um it's just it's uh, like the variety of tones and like how he connects it to like cause he connects it to all these different things like he just jams a bunch of influences in there like graffiti art is one of them um and then like samurai movies like uh, akira kurosawa and also stuff like um like if you're familiar with like saijin suzuki and like some of the movies that he was making where it's like assassins and stuff like that and um yakuza stuff so it's really cool like it's one of those things again where it's like a singular vision of like a guy and he just put it all out there and made this incredible work but yeah it's got a film adaptation and spike lee is going to be directing it um i kind of made a joke about when i posted about it that you know most of the stuff i'm posting about or whatever is not going to get a film adaptation and especially with somebody like spike lee directing it who's like a pretty big name so i don't know like how big if it's going to be a big film or not as far as like budget and marketing and stuff like that but still pretty cool to mm-hmm. kind of see like what he could be able to do with that yeah with well, a known name director for sure but yeah, yeah that that's the kind of off-brand interesting stuff you can find uh if you head to wake up yeah and if you're in nashville or visiting nashville yeah head over to the groove in east nashville and look for the wake up comics rack yep just walk in go around the corner and it's right there on the right and uh, I'm, I'll put uh, links to all the Wake Up Comics social medias in the description, so feel free to check those out. And again, uh, check out the store within the Groove Record Store in East Nashville. Yep, thanks a lot. Yep, and I'll just do my little quick plug for my small business uh, that we do here on the show, and that'll be uh, the end of it. As always, Makers Cast is brought to you by Music City Makers, a Nashville creative co-op where we make what we love, and we hope you'll love what we make. Uh, you can check out all of our links in the description below to our Etsy store and our Gumroad and all things like that. And if you enjoyed this podcast, whether you're on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, you know, give us a, a like, a share, all the other things that you, you know how to do on the internet because you found it in the first place. Thank you very much.